Turn to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6. Many times in the Psalms, we're taught to cry out to God because we are suffering some sort of persecution, some sort of undeserved attack. And I've mentioned before in this church how sometimes those prayers can be hard to enter into, hard for us to pray along with the psalmist, because we don't really feel like we're being persecuted for righteousness. You know, we know that there are hard things that we face, But it's like David had real enemies who were really trying to kill him, and we don't really have that. And so there's this, it's easy for there to be a disconnect between what we read and what we feel, or how, how we're able to pray along with those prayers. And besides, then we've been taught rightly that we are sinners. And so, can we really be persecuted for righteousness, if we're sinners. But we're misapplying that truth, you understand. Of course, we can still be persecuted for righteousness, even though we are sinners. We like to to take things and make them into these extremes that remove, remove us from the picture, is really what it comes down to. They, they remove it into this theoretical realm. Well, if there was this perfect person, like, well, okay, for example, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was obviously persecuted for righteousness because he was perfectly righteous. And so anything that somebody did to him that was bad would just have to be persecution. But things that are bad that happened to me, well, they must not really be persecution because I see my own sin. Well, hopefully you see your own sin. We're going to get there in this psalm. So this morning we're taught to cry out to God for a different reason. Not because we are being persecuted for righteousness, but King David's suffering that we read of this morning that he is crying out to God for relief from is because of his own sin. So it's suffering from the hand of God in discipline. As opposed to from the hand of enemies because of his righteousness. You see the difference there. And so, once again, it can be hard for us to join in this prayer. But this time, the difficulty is because we've been taught over and over again, I think, not to assume that somebody suffering a tragedy has done something to displease God, right? We remember Job. And Job's friends said, well, you're suffering. You must have sinned. You must deserve what you're getting. It must be God's discipline on you that you're suffering. We remember Jesus speaking of those who died and the tower fell on them. Is that the Tower of Siloam? Is that right? And, uh, And he said, to them, to the people, you, you assume that they were terrible sinners. But I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 
And so that's the part that we forget at the end, that Jesus turns that whole thing around and aims it back at us. We forget that in the end, Job repented as well as his friends, right? So we've been, we've been, uh, we've had it emphasized to us that just because somebody suffers, just because there's tragedy, doesn't mean that that's somehow some sort of punishment from God that they deserve. And that's true. But there are also disciplines that come from God, as we see in this psalm. I've also preached here before on how bad it is when we pretend that it's impossible to see God acting. That we, we, we act as though uh, there's no way to know whether something good or bad is from God or for any particular reason. <clears throat> when we know that there are consequences for our actions all over the place that are obvious, that we can see, that there's no question about where they come from or why they're happening to us. Some things come to us and we know just as surely as that spanking is because I hit my sister, us as adults know that Discipline that comes from God is for the sin that we committed. And and we can see it, and and it's just that obvious to us. Sometimes. And what we like to do is make everything into, well, anything bad that happens must just be because I deserve it, or you deserve it, God disciplining us, just punishment. Or, none of it. There's no way of ever knowing. I mean, I guess theoretically discipline sometimes happens, but there's just no way of knowing. You know, We can't fall to either of those categories. We have to be willing to discern the truth. And so, if we're going to pray this prayer that we're about to read with King David, it will require us to know three things. We're going to have to know our own sin. We're going to have to know God's discipline for our sin. And we're going to have to know God's mercy. We're going to have to know our sin. We're going to have to know God's discipline. And we're going to have to know his mercy. So please stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm chapter 6. For the choir director with stringed instruments upon an eight-string lyre, a psalm of David. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness, for there is no mention of you in death. In Sheol, Who will give you thanks? I am weary with my sighings. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. 
It has become old because of all my adversaries. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will suddenly be ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. David starts off this psalm right away, acknowledging his sin. Do we know our sin? David is speaking of the Lord's rebuke. He's speaking of his chastening. He's speaking of God's discipline on him. And those things only come when we have sinned. You don't speak of discipline from God or his chastening, or his rebuke, on righteousness. Right? God is not a wicked God. Yes, we know there are times that we face painful circumstances that aren't because of our sin. We know that there are, uh, that there are painful things that aren't a rebuke on us. But we also know that God doesn't rebuke us for being good. Right? He doesn't chasten us because we've been righteous. So when King David speaks of God chastening him, he doesn't speak of his innocence. Why? Well, because he's not innocent. He knows his sin. He sees that God is disciplining him. He recognizes that it's come because of what he has done. And so, parents don't say to their kids, how dare you protect your sister from that bully? It doesn't make any sense, right? We don't say... That's the last time I ever want to see you cheerfully cleaning your room without anybody asking you to. This is, this is absurd. So, so when David speaks of the Lord rebuke, rebuking him or chastening him, he's not talking about how he's done something good and then he's getting bad things coming to him. He's talking about how he himself has done wicked, sinful things And therefore, he's being punished. God disciplines, he rebukes, he chastens, he punishes for sin. And he does it because he loves his people. He does it for love. So nowhere in this whole psalm does King David declare that he is innocent. There are, the, there are plenty of psalms, as I already said, where King David is protesting the suffering that he is undergoing because it's coming from unrighteous men in persecution of his righteousness. 
But this, he says, comes from God's hand, this suffering that he is being crushed under. And you can't read this psalm without seeing the desperation uh, that he is in. His bones are crying out. His eye has become old. I mean, you know what an old eye looks like, right? It's awful. Even at 40, people start needing reading glasses because your eye doesn't quite have the, it gets, starts getting hard and, you know, this is just not the way a body is supposed to be. He's, he's groaning under the weight of this discipline that's come to him. And you, you notice at the end how he talks about his enemies. Even so, he doesn't say that he's innocent. He doesn't doesn't talk about his righteousness in this psalm, and it's because he knows his sin. He knows that he deserves this discipline that's coming to him. Do we know our sin? Do we know what it deserves? David does not object to God disciplining him. In fact, what he actually does is he implies that what he really deserves is what? Death. What his sin actually deserves is death, and therefore he pleads for God's mercy on him, doesn't he? Because he says... If you do give me what I deserve, I'll be dead and nobody will be able to praise you for your mercy. I'll I'll be dead. I won't be able to praise you in the congregation to to your people. Nobody Nobody will give you thanks for saving me. David almost sounds a little bit manipulative, doesn't he? Remember last week how I was saying that we're we're taught how to pray in such a way that God will listen? Well, this this is not manipulative. This is, again, David knowing God and knowing what God desires and, and saying, God, you deserve praise, you deserve glory, you deserve honor here on earth, and I won't be able to do those things for you anymore if you, if you kill me. And so, please be gracious. Be merciful to me. Do you know your sin? Do you know what it deserves like David does? Well, one of the interesting things, remember I said we need to know our sin and we need to know God's discipline Well, one of the interesting things about discipline is that it shows us our sin, doesn't it? It teaches us that what we've done is bad. And this starts very, very early on in life, doesn't it? This morning, trying to feed Annabelle, what is she, six months? Is she seven months yet? Seven months. 
tried to feed her rice cereal. She does not like rice cereal, I don't know, or, or oatmeal, none of that stuff. She doesn't want it, and she spits it out at you when you put it in her mouth. She goes, Bleh. and it's very clear she just doesn't want it in her mouth. And so she needs to learn to eat, and what do you have to do? You have to teach her that actually that's not an appropriate response to being fed food. You can't just spit it out at the person who's giving it to you. This is something you need to learn as a seven-month-old, right? Well, how does she ever learn that? Well, through discipline. And so you say, no. And if you say it right, loud enough and in her face enough, then she might listen a little bit. And she'll try out that spitting a little bit again and see if it gets the same response. And she'll realize, and you may have to, you may have to flick her or, or give her a little more intense no. You see, we learn what's right and wrong through discipline. It's a beautiful thing. And so we learn what our sin is when we receive the discipline. And this is the way God is with us too. Not that you don't know anything about right and wrong. You all know right and wrong. It's in your hearts. But God teaches us by disciplining us. And so we can live for, we can live for months and years being greedy and not seeing it in ourselves, hiding it from ourselves, until God, in his graciousness, disciplines us for our greed and begins taking away thing after thing after thing that we love, that we've been holding on to. And all of a sudden you realize, I'm being disciplined, aren't I? I don't like this. Why am I being disciplined? Oh, it's because I'm a greedy, greedy, wicked man. That's why I'm being disciplined. And then you see your sin. Don't you? Because God disciplined you. And so you see your sin, you learn your sin, you know your sin, and you know how wicked it is as God, in his love, disciplines you. And so those two things that we are to know, they come together, don't they? We, we know our sin as we're disciplined we know our sin as we fear discipline. All of a sudden you realize, oh, what have I been doing? I've been doing... God, God should discipline me for this. He hasn't. Now I'm scared. You know, what could be coming? And, and, and what does that cause you to do? It causes you to know your sin and, and, and you turn from it. You have, to, you have to turn from your sin and flee it. Flee the wickedness that, that's in your heart. The pain of God's discipline is serious. And if you are a son of God, if you are his child, then all of that pain, and that, can, that pain can be very, very intense pain from his hand. It can be the loss of loved ones, it can be great sickness. It can be serious 
illness. Very, very painful things happen to people in this life. God doesn't lack for any number of ways to discipline us that will get our attention and make us very, very uncomfortable. And uncomfortable isn't the right word for David's suffering here, is it? To say that David was uncomfortable when he's going, I'm wasting away on my bed, I can't sleep, I cry all night. Oh, so you've been uncomfortable. No, that's not what I said. (laughs) You weren't listening. But if you are God's child, no matter how painful it is, you are not suffering under the hand of an enemy. But you are being disciplined by the loving hand of your Heavenly Father. And either way, the moment that you begin to suffer the consequences of your sin, suffer under the hand of God, whether you are his child or whether you are not, you are actually being shown grace by God. He is being gracious to you. He is being merciful in giving you consequences for your sin. So that if you are not one of his children, that you will repent and that you will come to him. And if you come to him, he will not cast you out. And if you are his son... So that you may be sanctified. Don't we want to be sanctified? Don't we want to live holy lives? Isn't it a delight to live obedient lives in righteousness? Setting aside all of the good that comes when we live righteous lives, all of the pleasant things that come, It gives God glory. And that's why David says, who's going to praise you if I die? And that brings us to when we receive discipline. You guys, I was reading, uh, I don't remember what I was reading recently. It was an older book and it was talking about, uh, there was this, in, in, in this country, there used to be a fear of God that doesn't exist anymore. And you'll have heard this some, probably the, the further out into the country you get, you might have run into this more. It's certain, there's certain parts of our culture that still understand the concept of God striking you dead. Or of being afraid that lightning will strike because of something that you have done or something that you have said, right? Or you, you may have heard someone say, and I looked around you know, so I, I saw somebody do this, and I was like, is the lightning going to strike? Right? Because why? Because what they've done, we recognize it as blasphemous. Or what, what, what we have done, we see that what it deserves 
is that God would strike us dead for our wicked behavior, right? And that used to be built into our culture that there, there, was, there was actually a fear to even be around people who were living that way so that their destruction wouldn't come on you. You remember Moses says to the people of Israel, come away from them. And the ground swallows up those who are living in rebellion. What an astounding, astounding thing that that hasn't happened to us. God has been merciful and gracious to us by what? By just giving us sickness that makes us miserable day in, day out. By just giving us pain that we cannot bear. That is his graciousness. That is him not giving us the fullness of what we deserve. And so the minute you begin to receive God's discipline, and the minute you begin to see it as it really is, what do you see? Well, yeah, you see your own sin better, but you also can't help but see that God is gracious God is merciful. It is that very mercy that causes him to discipline us in the first place. It is that mercy that causes him to restrain his hand, just as David is praying that he will do. Be gracious to me. Don't let this go on forever. How long will we be punished for our sins if we do not repent and we do not put our faith in Jesus Christ? How long do they deserve to be punished? How long do we deserve to suffer? Forever. And David says, how long, O Lord? How long will you hold me under the weight of this? I cannot bear it. And God is gracious. God answers his prayer. Because God is merciful. God is gracious. And so if you know your sin, you know God's discipline. You know His mercy. The knowledge of those things, it comes together. And this is really the essence of what it says in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin Righteousness and the judgment. Righteousness is God's righteousness, right? It's how we're to live. And what is his righteousness and his judgment? They, they come together in discipline and, and in his mercy. It's, it's such a sweet, sweet thing. They're, they're flowing from his love. God's mercy is what causes us not to receive the fullness of his discipline the moment that we sin. You think of Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, and God says, when you eat of it, you will die. And Eve eats, and then she gives it to Adam, and Adam eats, and you just think, That's the end of the story. 
Shouldn't that be the end of the story? And then they died. But it's not the end of the story. (laughs) As a matter of fact, you haven't even made it past the second page of the story. And why? Well, because God's discipline comes, and his mercy comes, his salvation comes, and they begin to know their sin, don't they? As he comes to them and they have to hide from him instead of walking with him in the, in the shade of the garden. And that's what happens to us. We sin and, and, and he begins to discipline us and it's, I don't like this. I don't like being a sinner. I don't want to live this way. God's changed your heart. He's given you new desires. And so David, David knows his sin, doesn't he? He knows he's a sinner. He knows what his sin deserves. He knows God's discipline. He's sitting under it. And it's more painful than any spanking. And it's going on and on and on. And our temptation at that point is to harden our hearts and say, this is too much. God's giving me too much. I don't deserve this. Well, you don't know your own sin then. And if you don't know your own sin, then you certainly don't know how gracious and merciful God is. How gracious and merciful he's being to you already. And you certainly won't cast yourself on him like David. You won't be able to join with David in this prayer, acknowledging that everything that God has given you, you deserve and more, but saying, but God, be gracious to me. I cast myself on your mercy. I won't be able to praise you like I can alive if you crush me to death. He believes in God's mercy and he casts himself on it. And God hears him and God hears you. And he answers your prayer. What is the answer? David is freed from those who do iniquity. Get to the end of the psalm there. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. So this is David. He's, he's prayed this, and he's recording this psalm for us after he's received an answer to this prayer. And he says, depart from me, all you who do iniquity. Why? Because God has answered my prayer. What are those who do iniquity doing around David? Well, they're doing two things. One, they're leading him into sin, and he's saying, no, I'm done with it. Go away. I won't have anything to do with being with you in sin anymore. And there's sinners that are persecuting him. They're harming him. These are his enemies. 
Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. It doesn't matter why they were there. David doesn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. God has freed him. He's heard the voice of David's weeping. He's heard his supplication. He receives his prayer. There is no doubt in this psalm whether David has been heard by God. He has, he has, he has. He repeats it three times. God heard, God heard, God heard. He answered his prayer. And in the end, all of David's enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will suddenly be ashamed. Why? Well, because God raises up those who cast themselves down before him. The humble he raises up, the proud he casts down. And so he is, David is confident that his enemies are going to suffer. Why? Well, because his enemies are God's enemies. What David is doing here at the end of this psalm is he is describing himself in union, in unity with God. If you have ever experienced the loving discipline of a father, you know that it hurts and that it ends with being restored to right relationship, right? It hurts, and it ends with being restored to right relationship, and that's what David is describing here. He is restored not just to no longer suffering, right? The spanking is over, but he's also restored to to union with his father, to true right relationship, he's no longer distant from God. He's no longer separate from God. He's no longer close to enemies and close to wickedness and close to iniquity. Now God has heard him and he's close to God and he is now in union with God and now his enemies are God's enemies. And so he, he's so... Everything is made so right again between him and God that he can say, my enemies will be ashamed. Why? Well, because God heard me. I'm on God's side now. (laughs) I'm no longer in my sin. I'm no longer under his discipline. I'm on God's side. My enemies will be greatly ashamed. What are his enemies trying to make him do? They're trying to make him sin. They're trying to make him feel like he can't be made right with God. They're the, the accuser, Satan, like I was talking about last week, right? Satan's the great accuser, and his goal is to convince us that it's impossible for us to confess. It's impossible for us to be made right with God. And I tell you, if you know your sin and you know God's discipline, then you know his mercy. Cast yourself on his mercy and be raised up and be united with him. And you have nothing to fear. 
Satan's accusations, he will be greatly ashamed. Your enemies that attack you, they will be greatly ashamed. Those who seek to catch you in a trap, who seek to cause you to sin so that you will stumble, so that you will be dismayed, they will be dismayed. What a wonderful, wonderful thing God's discipline is. That it restores us to himself. That we see David being restored to God here. God saves him from death. He saves us from death, from hell. And so what does David do? Remember what he said? If I die, I won't be able to praise you. And so David what? He praises him. He praises God. He declares the glory of God. He declares what God has done for him. And so this is how you respond to God's discipline. To his mercy. To him restoring you to himself. You praise God. You look forward to the day when you're united with him in heaven for eternity, and you sing about it. And that's what David's done. He comes out of this, and he's like, you know what? It's time to write a song. It's time to sing. It's time to praise God. It's time to tell the world what God has done, how he disciplined me. He crushed me under the weight of my sin. For He disciplined me. And he was merciful and he heard my prayers and he, and he took me out from where my enemies were and he, he set me where he was with him. Is there, a, is there a more glorious song to sing? It's wonderful. God's mercy is a sweet, sweet thing for us. Cast yourself on his mercy. And he will raise you up. Let's pray.